G'day and welcome to another episode of Perth Property Insider. I'm your host, Jared Mann. And today we're going into part two of our inside story with Jordan DeJong. He's the CEO and founder of Game Plans, a innovative online portal that enables you to plan out your property portfolio. And in this episode, we're going to be going into a lot of nitty-gritty on having a game plan or having a plan for your portfolio. Why a lot of investors don't have one, why a lot of investors make mistakes when they're creating one and what are the common mistakes, what's involved in a really good plan and what it looks like, and how to use their software to get this clarity and all the benefits and how we can help you with that overall planning process in a new service we're launching called Strategic Portfolio Plans. So let's go inside. Welcome to Perth Property Insider, where you will learn how to grow your wealth and improve your life using Perth property. Our show is brought to you by Investors Edge Real Estate, the highly rated and award-winning property management specialist servicing the whole of Perth. Now, here is your host, Jared Mann. How you came up with the idea for game plans and maybe just explain to people what game plans is because we've thrown the name around a few times but they're probably like what are they talking about game plans yeah so game plans is an online property portfolio management tool um one of the biggest things with building out my own portfolios i had really no idea what my portfolio was bringing in or what it was costing me or what i needed in my portfolio to um you know have the desired outcome or retire when i need to and so you essentially go on there you enter in all of your details, all the stats about your own property portfolio, and it gives you a really nice summarized breakdown of each property, how it's performed, you know, where the incomes and outgoing is, what's it's, what it's costing you, everything like that. Then it'll combine everything together and spit out everything in terms of how the overall portfolio is doing. So, what's everything costing you? What's your borrowable equity? Mm. You know, where, where's all your money flowing? Uh, all those sorts of things, and it gives you a really easy snapshot to make decisions on the portfolio. Is there too Pretty much eye opening, isn't it? Like, yeah, you know, I didn't even realize because previously I would have had to have managed my cash flow really tightly. But over the last few years, I've gotten to a much better place in business. I'm not as worried, and it's such a, a much lower percentage of you know my overall savings. So it's I was almost a little bit blind uh, to what was happening with interest rates rising as well. So that certainly gave me some clarity. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Like, you know, we 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 hear these big news and we hear this interest rates are moving, and so we pull out our own phone calculator and go. Yeah, you just you know, do two, the interest rate only, but not two million dollars worth of debt times six percent. Oh, it's you know eight hundred k a year. I'm oh, sorry, eighty k a year or what ninety k a year, whatever it is. Oh, Take that, your rent off it. You know, I'm mean, family's earning two hundred and twenty k. We should be alright. But there are so many other variables that come oh, in. The other costs. This is what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. Well. It's like, oh, that maintenance that I've had to do. To fix this older place up ongoingly, you know, you add up your council rates, your water rates, your insurances, your land tax, which is now killing me more with these, you know, quality properties. And and then, um, yeah, you add all these things together and you're like, oh, wow, you know, at least I now have clarity on what the real position is. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So um, that's one big benefit of the platform. And then, you know, that all transpires into doing a 30-year plan. So we take all that information from where you are now, take in some variables and assumptions based on, you know, where the economy's at and, you know, some averages in the economy where it should go over 30 years. 
Um, and we allow you to forecast out, you know, where your portfolio should take you based on very conservative assumptions over that 30 year time period. You can also then, you know, buy new properties, determine when you've got enough borrowing capacity to potentially buy them or savings or borrowable equity to do those purchases. Um, you can sell properties and you can target different types of properties at different price points to help you understand what phase of the portfolio you're going through. Um, it's just a really good sort of year on year snapshot to understand, you know, if I want to achieve my goal in X years, well, firstly, what is my goal? And then when do I <laughs> yeah, want to achieve key, it? it? And then putting a plan around that. And I think, you know, it's such a key thing. I think too many people overshoot what they think they actually need in their portfolio. Mm, they that was the other one for me. It was like, you know, once you get through the other side of your acquisition phase, you really have to start asking yourself, you know, yeah, it, you get an adrenaline rush from buying a property and you want to keep going. But do you really need to? when your goals are all going to be met and it does take the pressure off a bit too because instead of constantly needing to go 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 and buy 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 more you just keep hearing on every podcast and everything you listen to it's okay to actually be like okay well now i can just go to paying down some debt and parking money and offset and putting into other assets outside of property and you know then that does give you the option of potentially upgrading the family home and and you know, because you've paid off off some of that debt and cleared cleared things down a bit. So, yeah, yeah, spot on. And there's so much I can get into that. But um, back to your original question in terms yes, of the what does it do? <laughs> of of game plans. Um, so getting sort of more and more into the space and working with more and more people in the industry, I realised that there was these big sort of like fifty page reports that they used to do in terms of a a plan. And having seen a, a couple of them, there's like thirty or forty pages mm. worth of legal statements. Um, and then 10 pages, maybe six pages of just Excel spreadsheets copied and pasted and then a, a bit of text. And they were great. They really, really did um, distill what you would need in your portfolio based on your current position to hit your end goals. And they were great plans. But the problem is the economy changes. As we've seen in the last, what, eight months, the cash rate's gone from the lowest it's ever been in recorded history to the highest it's ever been in a decade in the space of eight months. So significant economic turmoil, significant economic changes. And if you had done a plan eight months ago, it's probably going to be very different to what it would be today. And so I always thought, and especially having those tech skills in terms of data science and building, you know, online software and portals is, well, what if, you know, we could go back, update those things and change those variables to account for that turmoil period? What if we actually went through our decision-making process, factoring in those worst-case scenarios before we did it, and then reverse engineer from the worst-case scenario, bring it back if things are better. And being able to, instead of just seeing this one big piece of paper that says, you're at Y, this is how, or you're at X, this is how you get to Y, it's like, well, here's your, this is your X and this is your Y, but these are the thousands of variables that can change between now and then. And let's go play around with all of those, account for that worst-case scenario, and, and, and see how we get there. So I essentially the idea came from I built this gigantic Excel spreadsheet for my own portfolio just because that's what I did in my spare time in the course. <laughs> this is what I've tried to, this is what I was doing before I came across game plans as well. Because <laughs> uh, I just built um, this monster and I was like, oh, there's no way I'll be able to use this for clients because it's so like you know, customized to me. Yeah, yeah, and um, and I'm sure everyone has like anyone who's sort of computer savvy has probably had a crack at it themselves. But when then, you get into all the different scenarios as well, it's so impossible to use a spreadsheet 
and then feed that back around and like and do things run scenarios quickly that's what i and and you change one formula in one little cell and you completely forget that you've changed it and it throws everything completely off so yeah i've been there and so i guess the the idea like so i i I was fortunate enough to start a, a property podcast in my early 20s and met a lot of people in the space now and through that process created some great friends within the industry and so when i wanted to step out of the corporate world i said look i love the planning side of things i love the tech side of things this is what i want to do for a business is help people build plans and um and they all said no 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 no, you can't do that you got to come and do it for our clients and help our clients build plans and so that's when that idea of well i can't just send everyone an excel spreadsheet and work on all their things let's build a a platform around it where people can go and build it themselves and um help help them clients understand what sort of plan looks like moving forward so from then it's just like it's developed from excel to this really basic online portal i think you know one of my first clients i think all we had was you know equ- equity growth over 30 years and cash of cash flow over 30 years and now we've got i think up to i don't know like 23 different charts you could potentially show and demonstrate on the platform itself through all the different mm-hmm. pages and um you know some really intricate detailed calculations and different things that you can do in the portfolio in each year and make those decisions yeah i just love the all the scenarios you can model out from what you do with your loans most importantly you know are you keeping them on principal interest interest only when do you refinance like what you know do you choose to sell an asset like then you've got your whole purchasing of properties. What does that look like? What does it do to the portfolio now and in the future? And then I love your compare scenarios function where you can see, okay, what is this plan going to, how's it going to compare to one other plan for growth, for income, and then total cumulative out, assuming that you pay tax on your income. And, and yeah, so really love the ability to quickly model out those different scenarios and, and have all the the options that you can run instead of just having a one dimensional fix that stays in a long report that you you do once and never come back to. <laughs> exactly, and it yeah. gets thrown out after six months. And and the best news is like your clients can come back in and reevaluate their own situation and, and run the different scenarios themselves. You know, as long as they understand the concept of the platform and where numbers get impacted, like you can go out and build as many different scenarios as you want and figure out what the best one's going to be for you. Hmm. So why do you think it is like as I've got deeper into this because I we we've recently been doing these property portfolio strategic portfolio plans for clients and as we start to ask people you know have you got a clear plan like it almost seems like probably about 90% of investors don't have one why do you think it is that they don't because you've now dealt with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and through your partners like myself we're, we're all dealing with clients every day and chatting to them about their plans and what they have in mind when they come to us so yeah well why that why they don't have a clear path is because uncle joe at the the barbecue conversation said investing in property is good and has done quite well out of it and so I think, you know, as Aussies, we've got this like extreme passion and we're like patriotic. Our, pa- our patriotism is uh, in property. Like we just love property and investing in property. And we've seen so many people be successful and in investing in property. And I think, you know, it's such a, it, it's such a, a thing for us to just go, okay, you know, we've got a bit of income. We might have a bit of a savings now. What are we going to do with those excess funds? Well, let's go and put it into property. Um, and there's no real hard thought process around what that's going to 
come out of. And for some people, it starts with, oh, we're earning way too much. We need to buy a property for tax reasons so we can get a bit of tax back. Yeah, that can be the prompt of some, yeah. You, you know, and so like, I have these conversations with these people that have just gone out and bought property for a, a reason that's not even related to investing, really. It's just to have a better tax outcome. And mm. like, there's no real hard plan around what they actually want out of investing and what buying your property is actually going to mean for them over that 30 years. Yeah, they might be getting 10 or 20 or 30 grand back in tax, but they've got to work an extra 10 years to pay the bloody thing off. Like, there's no clear path of what it actually means to go out and, and buy a property other than we know that you know the news articles read the saying property's grown by 30 percent last year or you know the property market's now dropped 15 percent and probably mm. going to drop another 15 percent like other than the news articles that are out there and the, the barbecue conversations that we have if you really don't understand fundamentally why it is that you want to invest in property or what the end goal is for investing in property then people just go out and buy it and so for us it's always just about Firstly, understanding everyone that, you know, the, the people that you're working with, understanding yourself and understanding what that end goal actually is. As I said before, most people overshoot it. Um, so bring bringing back a bit of reality in terms of what that end goal mm. ideally is. definitely both ends of the spectrum. I think there's the people that overshoot it, but then I think the vast majority, because the vast majority, I think it's 92% or something, own two properties or less and 70% own one property. So for me to actually push beyond that one or two to doing what you might need to do to achieve that goal well first of all you need to know what the goal is don't you and then like if you at least know what is needed to achieve it then you can push through that barrier you've got a comfort zone as well so compared to your parents owning one investment property might be you know unheard of that they they might have gone their whole lives without owning an investment property or owning two properties might be unheard of. So you really need that plan to like anchor you back that, oh, this is what I need to buy to end up with the goal that I've set and actually, you know, then pushing through those comfort zones of the one or two that if if more is needed to achieve that goal. But if your goals are more modest, then yeah, yeah, it's probably overkill to have too many properties and have tenants to worry about and have the little maintenance popping up and you know so. yeah it's so funny how many people have yeah i think you're spot on so people that have one or two haven't really thought about that big picture of what the exit really looks like in terms of property but then on the other side of the spectrum i've got people that are in that category of these tenants are doing my head in. i've got like 25 <laughs> 25 of these things so i'd rather just yeah. one one really good Bunnings or something. <laughs> yeah. I'd be happy. Well, that's where uh, Steve McKnight's got to when I chatted to him the other week. I, I hadn't sort of seen where his current take and philosophy was too much and it really surprised me. I was expecting him to still be on the, you know, buy 100 properties in three and a half years kind of jazz, you know, but no, he's come full circle and it's like, you know, he wished he bought more quality. He wished he didn't have as many tenants and headaches to deal with and he's, basically traded everything in for three higher end commercial properties that give him much higher passive income and doesn't have to worry. So interesting when you come full circle. <laughs> and, and that's that's the different stages of life and different stages of what you want. I know his story is very different in terms of, you know, he had a business partner and you got to account for them and their circumstances in life. But, you know, he you're spot on, he's done full circle and this is where he's landed. And so, um, yeah, so just understanding that holistic different stage that you go through not only in life but in your portfolio as well mm. cool well really good to chat some of those things through and 
I guess having seen so many plans along the the way and dealing with all these partners that you work with, like what are some of the mistakes people make when creating a plan? And I know we probably touched on a few along the way, but it'd be good to bring them together so that people can try to stay out of those ways of thinking on and find the yeah, right path. Sure. I think that's probably uh, we have touched on them, but um, if we just bring them and summarize them together, there's two main things. The first one, as I said, is that long term home. Um, or just like the, the different variables or things that could potentially happen later in your life. You know, the long-term home is generally going to be the thing that takes out the largest chunk of borrowable mm. equity or borrowing capacity in the portfolio. Often- The centerpiece, isn't it? Like, 100%. I think and everything else is, well, I find myself repeating myself so much over the last month as we've started diving into this online. <laughs> You've got to sort that first, you know. <laughs> Spot on. And often the sad thing is, often, uh, you know, investors go out and cap themselves on these subpar assets like I did. And, um, you know, they've either got to increase their income or sell some of their portfolio to, to go and have to buy it. So, you know, we've been through the reasons of why that's annoying, but, you know, it's often the biggest piece that's missed in the portfolio. And then the second thing, which is probably more directed to a more common term these days or a more common philosophy is uh, rent vesting. So this is when you've actively made that decision that, mm. You know that you might be moving around in life. You might want to change locations occasionally. So you invest where you, you know, where where you invest in the areas that you want to invest on based on your plan, but you don't have a principal place of residence. You just essentially build an yeah. investment portfolio. And the biggest mistake I see with that is um, not setting those realistic goals. So, you know, I think some people go down that path of capping themselves early and then they don't have enough and make that decision that they want to be a rent investor. But again, those different life stages can change. And, and typically, you know, they go out and build this, this massive portfolio without considering how long it's actually going to take to pay it off. Like they could have gone out and bought three or five really good assets that might have taken 15 to 20 years if they saved really hard and did really well to pay them down and have a passive income stream. But instead, they might go out and buy, you know, seven to 10 of these things and realize that it's actually going to take them the full 30 years to pay the whole lot off, which means they're working for an extra... 10 or 15 years where their ultimate goal was to semi-retire or slow down a lot earlier. Mm. Yeah, okay. I'm just thinking as we were you were talking through those scenarios, the people that I've been dealing with with plans at the moment and, yeah, in the case that you rent vesting, um, one client we're dealing with, you can he's sort of done pretty well with the properties he's accumulated so far and at least now he has options for buying that family home. So, we're putting in the possibility of it, but then we've also had the chat that, hey, if you buy that home, you may actually have a partner come in that could add some extra income. So, you know, that'll be a real bonus that we're not going to account for necessarily, but we both understand that it's a real possibility that is actually going to lead to him wanting the family home that he doesn't yet have a, a defined time period for. So at least having gone through those life stages myself, I'm then like, okay, well, after that, you you may want kids too. So, and then you're probably going to want to be in the good school zones. And the, so you can actually like pace that all forward. And he's going to be completely, um, he's got great clarity knowing that he can do those things. But while he stays on the rent vesting option, he's going to be fur even further ahead than, you know, and it, it's, it, it can go both ways for him. And he's got a plan that accounts for both. So, yeah, that's awesome. Well done. Cool. So what does a good plan involve, I guess, or look like? Because we've spoken about some of the mistakes. How does this come about? And I think you've probably got a lot to say on this. <laughs> 
Yeah, definitely. I think the the, the biggest thing about a, a good plan is accounting for the worst case scenario. I think people, you know, typically go into a pr- a plan feeling like, you know, the, their property is going to get 10% yep. annual compound growth rate for 30 years, thinking that, you know, well, this is the combo I've been having with people as well. <laughs> like, well, you know, we're only a, a planning on a 4% compound with a 6% yield because we're leaning more towards cash flow on that one. But, you know, we should be able to well and truly do better, but let's just base it on the lower, more conservative numbers. And it's the same with every assumption, I think. And that's why I love your built in assumptions and where you go to with, um, you know, setting those. So, yeah, conservative and then outdoing it is a good problem to have <laughs> yeah and then they you know and then at the same time you know, let's say that the entry rental yield is four percent you know they think that it's going to stay at four percent forever and so when their portfolio is worth 50 million dollars they're going to have a four percent yield on it mm-hmm. but realistically what happens if if the value yeah. of the properties increase at a faster rate than the growth and the yield actually comes down over time and so when you're sort of thinking about 30 years away, maybe thinking about a, a potentially that that yield coming down over time as the value of the property increases. So being really, really conservative, as I, I've found, and this is what I say to every time I, I do a session or talk to a partner or talk to someone in terms of being a plan is um, I'm going to use some really basic conservative assumptions. You're going to be disappointed with the assumptions. Like we do things like the Australian average for property, and I hate using averages because there's markets within markets and sub-markets within sub-markets all across Australia, but the Australian average is 6.8% and we use an assumption growth rate of 5%. And like, it's almost a disappointment. It's like, oh, why would you, why are we, why are we doing a plan around 5%? And the reason is like, I want to achieve your goals using 5% and anything you get on top of that is just going to be added value. But the good news is worst case scenario in a very conservative potential bad economy for a long period of time, even if we just compound at 5%, we're still hitting your goals. And I think if you can give someone that outcome and say, look, worst case scenario, we're getting there. It might take longer than you thought. It might not be as uh, as a big of income as you thought or as a big of a portfolio as you thought, but this is worst case. And then from there, anything you get above is just going to be cream on the cake on top. So biggest thing in terms of you know, building out a plan is being conservative because things do happen. We do go through periods of economic cycles and uncertainties and all those sorts of things. I know when we're in like really good, strong economic conditions, it doesn't feel like that. It feels like time's going to be good forever. But you and know, it's both ways, isn't it? You, when you when things are going really great, it feels like times are going to be forever. When things are going, when the market's really down, it feels like the market's going to be down forever. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing. And then like now all of a sudden there's all these people like this big chat out there that people are going to need to sell because they can't make repayments and mm-hmm. all that sort of stuff. Where is if you had factored in that you think repayments or you you can make your repayments on a 6% interest rate, you know, if you did that 12 months ago, you wouldn't question yourself. You wouldn't be selling a property. You wouldn't be concerned. You wouldn't be worried. You'd have planned for it. You'd understand that that's what might happen. And then in that way, you're not your emotions aren't coming into play. And that's the biggest thing. Like that, the biggest thing in the property market is our human emotions. And so what we really want to do with the plan is take all of the emotion out of it because it's an investment and just make it a logical decision to say, worst case scenario, we can still afford this. We're happy to sacrifice if we need to. We'll we'll stop going out for dinners if we need to for a month if tough gets really, really, really hard. But we're making a decision that if that time comes in place, we're comfortable with making that decision. And we'll sacrifice those things to be able to get that longer term outcome. But best case scenario, we're not only going to get 
dinner, we're going to get caviar and yeah, we're taking a holiday and champagne and everything else like that, right? So it's just really accounting for what potentially might happen. And so when you get to points like we are right now where, you know, the 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 market's falling a little bit in certain areas and it's even looking more dire, the headlines out there are dire. Uh, and it feels like your world's caving in and you've made the wrong decision. Maybe your property's lost some equity because you bought it at the peak and everything, you feel like everything's turning to crap. Well, you know, if you had already factored it in, you wouldn't even care. You'd know that over the next 30 years, it's not only going to go back to where it was, but it's going to double or triple in value over that time. Mm. Good one. And what you said there, or maybe I brought it up about holidays. I'm probably craving one at the moment. <laughs> that's why I'm thinking about it. But yeah, you, a good plan, and that's what I like about the system. You know, you allow for your holidays, you allow for your car upgrades and other things that's going to, you know, take away from your savings. And it's good to know that you can do those things, and then you don't feel guilty about, you know, buying your missus a car because it's in the plan, you know, and you've allowed for it, and you know that you're actually still going to be fine in reaching your goals while doing these things. Whereas before, it'd be like, you know. No, can we really afford it? What you know, you get this guilt about what's it taking away from the future potentially? So, oh, 100%. Yeah, and I, I used to have that argument with myself is like, oh, well, I can either buy this car or I can use it as a deposit for another purchase. And it's like, well, if you just put it that way, it would always make sense to do another purchase, right? But yeah. at the end of the day, if it's not in the plan and you're already hitting your goals and you've only got one more purchase that you need to do that you've got three or four years to do. Um, it's okay to go and buy that car and enjoy your lifestyle now. Yeah, and it's not the finding that middle ground of the balance, isn't it? So spot on. Any, any other parts to a really good plan? Yeah. Um, again, I probably we could probably do a whole podcast on just this. Yeah. One note, but. Yeah. E- e- exactly. Um, I've I've probably touched on it a fair bit, but just being really re- realistic with that end goal, like I think you know a lot of people come to us and say they want 100k a year or 150k a year. It's it's generally always just one of those two answers, mm. but that figure is not exactly what you need. Like we we want to be very specific with a certain number because then we actually reverse engineer or figure out you know inflation adjusted what that figure is going to be over 30 years and, and that's what i love about being inflation adjusted too because yeah people have 100k in their head and they hold it the same for 30 years and as we both know and everyone's realizing <laughs> in today's inflationary world 100k in 30 years is not you know you might need 400k per year or whatever it's going to be so exactly so um you know we, we account for that if you if you look at any one of our plans you might be hitting that 100k in 10 or 15 years or something like that depending on the size of the portfolio i guess but inflation adjusted it might be closer to 200 or 300 so we do actually need to acquire more properties to be able to hit that longer term goal so just understanding that those things do change over time and it's not this sort of straight line it's always a a vertical or, or curve line that we we need to achieve and again coming back to that point really identifying the specific number that you need so if we make it simple and break it down to an individual maybe if they're you know everyday working working person maybe they've got rent maybe it's like 400 or 450 maybe they've got 150 worth of bills every week and maybe they want to spend i don't know 500 bucks on you know general living expenses if they want a bigger holiday maybe they can save 500 for four weeks of the year and have two grand that they can go on holidays probably really conservative approach but you know that all together it does help you think about your budgeting and shows you you know percentage of what you spend on 
savings and lifestyle and expenses in your portfolio. So I found that really good as well. And I'm I've stuck with a client at the moment that he's paid for his plan. And for ages, I've been asking him, can you please input the data on your household expenses? And we really can't put a, it like knowing those numbers is just so important to any plan. Like you need to know what you can save and contribute to your portfolio and paying down debt in due course as well. Otherwise, like how do you even create a plan around that? So again, one of my things I'm already seeing is just getting, it forces people to get clear on those budget numbers. It doesn't necessarily need to be a, I said to him, it doesn't have to be an extensive Excel spreadsheet you put together. Just go through your savings accounts, look at on average, what have you saved over the last three months or six months per month? Um, or total period and divide it by, you know, three if you're looking at a three-month period. What have you had for living expenses and what's been lifestyle on average? And at least you can start to put some numbers on that and potentially track it over time. And, yeah, have you seen that being a, a hurdle? Oh, so so often I think, um, you know, and just the, just the compounding effect of additional savings going into the account, paying off offset or, you know, offsetting your debt. Yeah reducing your interest repayment, you know, year on year or, you know, mortgage repayment. Even more powerful now with interest rates being as they are and you really start to think, oh, gee, having those savings parked is, uh, you know, really giving you the extra cash flow in your portfolio that you'd otherwise be spending on interest. So Exactly. And it um it compounds nightly. So, you know, every every dollar you've got there and every night is helping you out in some way. It's It's tiny and it's small and you'll never really feel the impact. But you know, compound that over every night over 30 years, it is huge. So I think getting specific is is so important and just understanding those numbers only for not only for your own sake, but not only, sorry, not only for the the portfolio and the plan and understanding where that's going to take you, but for your own sake, you might, mm-hmm. you might identify things in there that you feel like you really don't need or, you know, or just a subscription that you haven't used for three months and it just keeps coming out. You know, something that we as a household sit down every quarter and review and go, you know, do we really need this? Do we really enjoy that? You yeah, know, what, 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 what can we pull in and out? Um, and the other thing that and I'm, it's probably a, a recency bias, but I'm reading a book called Die With Zero. And um, my whole life, I have always had There's this. Some good takeaways from this book, but yeah, part of the philosophies I don't fully. The title, I think, is very misleading. You know, I think it's an awesome title. But, yeah. Well, what's your take? Yeah, I want to hear your all- thoughts. All good books are like that though, right? Um, my take is this, right? Like I have always approached wealth and finance and money as this thing that we just need to keep accumulating. Um, and we keep accumulating, we keep accumulating, we keep accumulating throughout our whole life. And I don't know if you've seen this meme, but it's like this guy running after some cash his whole life and he's chasing it, chasing it, chasing it, chasing it. And he gets to the end of the cat, the cliff and it's like, oh, what was all that for? Now he's trying to push the money back away. Uh, it's, it's essentially the same same concept, right? But just really understanding there's going to be a point in your life where, you know, you are earning your maximum capacity and you have got this choice of like, do we spend more time with the kids? Do we sacrifice a bit of a, a work or you know, do we love our work and keep working harder and earning more? But what what is that end, end number? And I think, you know, just you get to a certain point where you're happy with where you're at and then just making sure that you enjoy the rest of that those years. Like I think the biggest thing for me growing up is I had this concept of I'm going to work as hard as possible. I'm going to have a $20 million portfolio. I don't care if I have to retire at 70. I've got this $20 million, right? But then you've just wasted 
40 good years of your life working to pay off this gigantic portfolio where you've missed out on you know time with kids time with family lifestyle expenses experiences going and traveling the world mm. all these other things that we've got the ability to do and so i'm um, too old to do anything even when exactly. you pass away like if who knows how long we might live to with life extension now is that money even going to help our children who you know in 60 70 80 years hopefully we live that long um fingers crossed you know what are they going to be they're going to be 60 70 themselves <laughs> exactly are they going to be too old to enjoy it like and again you know that's why the, the book's a great concept in terms of like help your kids out while you're still yeah, alive i love that which i think is really good and so yeah that, the biggest takeaway is just being able to go okay like yes there's an accumulation phase yes there's a growth phase yes there's you know an income continuously increasing but then there's a point in time in your life where you know now that i'm in my 30s and had having friends passed away which is really sad and like you know just going through different life stages having you know family members that are really close to me like starting to deteriorate and get cancer and like mm. seeing, seeing them getting older it's just like man life is so short and so yeah. i think it's all well and good to have your financial security locked down and understand and be money savvy and build a portfolio i think that's really important and going to set you up for those latest stages but really enjoy those later stages mm. just don't continue to push and work and trying to build this massive thing and for what like well, the ironic thing is once you get your needs met and money out of the way and i have this chat my mastermind group quite regularly it's like well to push to go to that other extra level it's going to mean giving up that day of, of the week that i spend with my daughter it's going to mean that i, I already could, could take any holiday i wanted in the year i i have enough aside that's building and compounding i know it's going to reach my goals because i've got my game plan there pushing that extra harder is just really going to take it away from the moment and the present and ironically once you've got those things sorted then it's actually time to start living your life and not worrying about the money which is nice because it is a, a major concern when you don't have it i know what that's that's like as well and it can occupy your whole headspace until you know it's off the table and and not something to worry about but the, the ironic thing is once it's out of the way then you can actually focus on the other things and and hopefully uh live that you know best life that you can be the best version of yourself and yeah yeah it's, it's always said but no one's ever on their deathbed wishing they spent some more hours behind the computer or at a desk or you know work working their life away they wish they you know had more experiences with their family and, and really enjoyed them while they're on this planet and others while they're on their planet as well yeah awesome well just want to round out by telling people a bit more about like how game plans can help them and like how we as investors edge fit into that picture so tell us a bit about how to engage with it and i can add a few bits in as well as to what we're doing for people so yeah for sure i think it a, a really high level if i was to break it down to to three things firstly we provide clarity around your current position and uh, i think so often people don't actually know where it is they are or what their incomes or outgoings are secondly we we try and really understand you and, and on that first point before you move on you gamify it too to make it quite <laughs> fun like i reckon if some people were listening to this so far they'd be like oh that seems a bit boring like entering all this data like yes we need the data but at least you've like tried to make it the most fun process that you can by gamifying it a bit so you know i wanted to throw that in there 
Nah, thanks. It's always been um, the biggest thing that I wanted to do. I always found that it was so boring just entering data and capturing data. But yeah, we we try and make it fun along the journey and rewarding along the journey and give you some little kicks along the journey to help you going. And at least, you know, you get some instant feedback and go, okay, this is actually worth putting the data in and understanding where I am. So we've really tried to hone in on that. Uh, works really well for the younger generation, not necessarily. Yeah, like, <laughs> complete and I've got this, you know, reached this level. Yeah. And- yeah. So um, now I'm um, growing up. I was always a massive gainer, so I always loved being able to accomplish levels and um, <laughs> you know take it take it to the next step. So that was always a concept behind it. Um, the clarity around your current position is the first one, and then you yeah. Going into- um, second thing is align your goals with your next move and subsequent purchases. So understanding what is that bigger picture instead of just going out. I've got an 800k borrowing capacity. I'm going to go buy an 800k purchase. Don't care where. Might be next door. Might be around the corner. Factoring in those longer-term goals, aligning those big-term goals with what your next purchase looks like, and then also how that next purchase is going to fit into the subsequent purchases moving forward. Is it going to cap you? Is it not? All those sorts of things. And then finally, we, we visualize all this and try and help you understand when you can expect to achieve your goals and what year that looks like. Well, um, seeing it all also makes it a lot more real as well, you know, like actually seeing, oh, you know, your graph for when you hit your, bo- hit your borrowing capacity, okay, I need to take a break seeing your equity increase over time and and your market value change and you know what happens to your debt over that time and just i'm a pretty visual person as well so i just love it's really hard when it's just numbers in a spreadsheet so oh, it's so, so hard to i never got to creating graphs in excel <laughs> Jordan. <laughs> well yeah i think that you know even if you just do it in numbers in a, in a spreadsheet even if you're screen sharing it just becomes this big blotch of numbers and like you just really can't pull anything out of it It becomes so hard to explain let alone on something like this like a podcast where you're just listening or you know something it just becomes so hard to comprehend and understand it all so just being able to visually see it at a snapshot and all together um i think is really really important as well not just like looking at equity by itself but factoring in all these other components of a portfolio together makes you really understand fundamentally what it looks like to build moving pieces go together and yeah, our one influences yeah. another. Yeah, and then the, I mean the, the things that we really try to accomplish is 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 just to really hone in on what that one to three year strategy is. So I know we forecast out of thirty years, and I know I'm a big fan of thinking big picture and what that long term plan looks like. But things change, and you know we can only really look ahead for those sort of one to three years without you know well trying to understand our current position and how that might play out over the next couple of years. So really honing in what that one to three years looks like for you and making it realistic and not like this, oh, in 15 years, I'll be able to retire. Sounds nice, but who knows if it's going to really happen. We try and keep emotions out of the process as much as possible. So if you know your numbers, you know you've accounted for the worst case scenario, you know where you're going to be after this next purchase and how much funds you're going to have and where your cash flow is going to be, you can keep the emotions out of the process and just execute. And then the final thing and something that we've always been fundamentally believing in is there's no no plan set in stone. Things change. Your economy changes. Your personal economy changes. Your personal circumstances changes. Your philosophy in life changes. And so we want to have a base plan. We want to understand what, as a minimum, we want to achieve and go for. But things along that journey might change what that base plan looks like. And so just being able to account for that as well. Mm, awesome. Well, we've started doing these for our clients and we'll be officially rolling it out soon, but you can still get one at this stage from us. And what I also think we bring to the table is that the software and the is awesome. Don't get me wrong, because I've spent ages just trying to find something I could use 
to model things out. But the other part that I think each of your partners like myself bring to things is the experience to put into the plan. So it's no point having unachievable things from the property perspective if the execution is just as important then and it flows nicely into our buyer's agency service that we're about to launch as well to really help people more holistically. So I've had a big gap in our service for many years because we're a really excellent property manager and people come to us after they've bought something and say, Jared, what do you think? And I'm like, well, how does it fit your plan? And that's how this came about for me because I'm like, people kept saying, oh, I don't have a plan. What do you mean, Jared? And just buy a good, just buy a property. Tell me if it's good. And I'm like, well, this property could be good for you, but not good for someone else. And it's really hard for me to answer that without seeing the whole picture. So then I was going into, oh, how do we even begin to put a plan together that is going to make sense for someone and be usable and be fun? And, and you know, and that's where I, I found you guys after asking a lot of other experts in the industry, what are they using? And, and it's great to see how far the platform's come and, you know, just what it's doing for people and our clients already so far. So I've obviously put my own portfolio in there and have had a lot of fun across Christmas and and was messaging you, sorry <laughs> about that. <laughs> the, the, the good news is, is it's my baby and I love it. So yeah. I you always know when you've got a, a, a sicko on your hands who loves property <laughs> investment because they're looking at their own portfolio and numbers across Christmas. Karina, yeah. wife's like, what are you doing, Jared? <laughs> I'm like, you know, just, just having a play with things. So, yeah. Give me a few hours, all right? Yeah, exactly. No, nah, I think you touched on a really good point. It's um, and you know, one thing that I wanted to do from the set out of the of the the platform is to make it really user friendly and a great user experience, and be able to allow people to make their own decisions and you know play around with their outcomes. But you're so right; there is such a need to have a professional to help you along your journey because you don't know what you don't know, even though you've got the best modeling system mm. in front of you or you know the best property that you could potentially buy if that you think you could buy if you don't know then you could be just making a decision yeah. to start with and so having and a lot of what i'm doing as well at the moment is seeing where people's comfort zones lie helping them get that clarity on their their goals and then like actually going in and challenging a lot of their thoughts because for some of them you know if they want to get to here it's going to take different thinking than they than what they've currently got in the path that they're currently on so that's the other part that is a bit more challenging. Um, and it, and it changes so much. Like I remember when I bought my first property and I was like, I don't know if you do the math, it was 415. I reckon the loan would have been like, I don't know, less than 350 at least. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and that's it's just so massive at the time, isn't so it? You put everything into like, it. You're like, oh my you know, God. Especially if so you're earning, I think I was earning like 65K at the time. So you're like, man, it's going to take me so many years, even yeah. just if I was to save all of my income just to pay this down. But now I'm so dead adverse. Like uh, I would, uh, now that I understand how the economy works and the monetary system works and inflation and interest rates and how they correlate, you know, give me all the debt in the world. And I'd be, as long as it's backed by good, good performing assets, I'd be a happy man. Hmm. Awesome. Well, I'd, We've touched on so many things today. This is definitely going to have to be a two-parter, and I haven't done a two-parter in a while, but we've really got carried away. So thank you so much for your time and going deep into a lot of that because I think this is really going to help a lot of people. And if you do want to get in touch for us to put together a strategic portfolio plan, we'll put a link in the show notes. Just go to our website and go through the property investing section and we can have a bit of a chat and just see whether it's even for 
for you if you're listening and it's not going to be for everyone at every stage as well and we can certainly go deeper to see oh, thanks for having thanks me thanks jordan been an absolute pleasure i uh, love talking property more than happy to do a uh a part two as you can tell <laughs> yeah. um well yeah. we might, i'm saying we're going to divide this one into two parts already so <laughs> it's gonna you'll be on for a part three we could be on for a part three i reckon uh now always a pleasure mate thanks for having me on and i'll uh, i'll chat to you soon okay mate. just a reminder the information discussed in this podcast is general in nature as we don't know your specific situation you should always seek professional advice before taking any action for free market reports on your suburbs of interest and other helpful resources to grow your wealth make sure you join my property investor update at investorsedge.com.au slash join And finally, make sure you're a member of our Perth Property Investment Facebook group to be part of the conversation with other like-minded investors, get help to your questions, and get a feel for what's going on out there in the market. I'll see you in the group.